Producer Kay, how's it going? It's great. Summertime. Summertime. It's going to be so nice this week. Rebels, hope you're having a great week. This broadcast, it's one of my all-time favorites. I love that we don't, we're not forced to do so many broadcasts every week that we have to put in things that we're like, mm, is this going to mm. be okay? Yeah. Are they going to like it or not? This one, I'm not kidding, knocked it out of the ballpark. These yes. are some seriously smarty, smarty, smart, smarts. Right. I had so much fun. Here's the great news about these guys being as smart as they are. We have Dr. William Strixrud and Ned Johnson. Dr. Strixrud has a PhD. He is a clinical neuropsychologist and the founder of the Strixrud Group. And he went to the George Washington School of Medicine. Ned is the founder of the Prep Matters. It's a DC prep company. He's been called the Dick Clark of Test Prep. He works with <laughs> older students. I know, right? The That's Dick awesome. Clark of Test Prep. Uh, Dr. Strixrud likes to be called Bill. Bill works with younger students. They are so smart, but because they work with students, they talk to you in a way that makes you feel confident. It calms you down. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to listen to. Um, I'm going to read this from the publisher. It's about their book, The Self-Driven Child. A few years ago, Bill Strixrud and Ned Johnson started noticing the same problem from different angles. Even high-performing kids were coming to them acutely stressed and lacking motivation. Many complained they had no control over their lives. Some stumbled in high school or hit college and unraveled. Bill is a clinical neuropsychologist who helps kids gripped by anxiety or those struggling to learn. Ned is a motivational coach who runs an elite tutoring service. Together, they discovered that the best antidote to stress is to give kids more of a sense of control over their lives. But this doesn't mean giving up your authority as a parent. In this groundbreaking book, they reveal how you can actively help your child to sculpt a brain that is resilient and ready to take on new challenges. I'm going to tell you, my parents' goal was to let me go and be an adult when I left home. That was what their goal was. They did a great job in almost every single way. And I can tell you where that played out immediately. I moved 3,000 miles away when I went to college. Like, Mm -hmm. I picked up and left. I didn't know you were supposed to call home. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I didn't call home for a long time. But here's the truth. Emotionally, I should have, and I needed to. I just didn't know I needed to. But as far as taking care of myself, I didn't need to call home. Mm -hmm. I knew how to do everything. And I found out almost nobody knew how to do anything. I could do laundry. I could fold clothes. I can iron clothes. I can put clothes away. Mm -hmm. I can wash. I can clean. I can clean a room. I mean, all of those life skills I had been taught and never worried about any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had friends that were turning their clothes pink and gray, (laughs) shrinking it. And you know what I'm saying? Or it would kind of stink or their room would be gross. And they'd start learning life or or mommies would come and help them clean and be like, that's embarrassing. Like your mommy's (laughs) here helping you clean your room as an adult. Right. That's, That's sad. That's not what you want for your kid in college. Right. They did a great job. This is going to help you so much. I promise it. Something else that will help you is to get rid of the porn in your home. We use a device called Circle. It goes between your router and your internet connection. It will not throttle the speed down. I promise. I'm a huge stickler for things like that. <laughs> it's a really good device. That's mm-hmm. what I can say. It's a really, really good device. You hook it up. You set it up via your phone, it's really, really easy, and then each device in your household has its own set of rules. Mm -hmm. So if your kids have a tablet, it's got its own set of rules. Your phone, your wife's phone, all those. You can set separate bedtimes, you can set time limits on apps, all those things. It allows you to get a really good picture of what's happening in your home, and then when you have your family meeting, you can talk about it. What's gonna happen? You know, How long should we be on these things? How long should we not? Um, And if people are trying to access porn, you'll find out. So when new people come into your home, set up a new role on their phone. Find out what's going on. Uh, All the links to Circle, it's a coupon code. It helps us out a little bit. It won't cost you any more. It will help Rebel Parenting out when you buy it through the coupon code. Every one of our social media accounts has it pinned to the top. Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, all at Rebel Parenting. Right? Yes, correct. Awesome. Uh, Let me do one more piece. The Self-Driven Child really reminded me a lot of my dad's work when he did his very first film series. My dad got his PhD in family psychology and child development from USC, uh, and he minored in statistics. It is a science-based PhD, and that's what his background is. His dad was a theologian. His dad uh, went to seminary, 
and became a preacher. Uh, my dad went to USC and became a psychologist, but he's got both in there. And when he did his film series, what he was telling people is, hey, all the things that we talk about in the Bible, here's all the science to back it up. And that's what this book will do to you. It says, The Self-Driven Child offers a combination of cutting-edge brain science, the latest discoveries in behavioral therapy, and case studies drawn from the thousands of kids and teens Bill and Ned have helped over the years to teach you how to set your child on the real road to success. As parents, we can only drive our kids so far. At some point, they will have to take the wheel and map out their own path. But there is a lot you can do before to help them tackle the road ahead with resilience and imagination. Telling you, this is a phenomenal book. We really, really like these guys. Without any further ado, here is our excellent adventure <laughs> with Bill and Ned on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Bill and Ned, I've, I was the angry parent. I was the binary, my way or the highway, black and white, uh, typical, I would say, American evangelical parent. Um, and... I want to give my kid more control. I, you know, my parents always said you raise a child so that when you let them go, they're adults. You don't have to parent them beyond, you know, the children years. And I struggle with that. I'm such a control freak. And when we found this book, I love it. It, it just takes away so much pressure, but it really creates the family the highly motivated person is looking for and yet struggles so hard to achieve. What made you guys want to write this book? What was the impetus for this? Well, I, I think that, that we've been lecturing together, and I, I've been lecturing in the D.C. area about a lot of these topics for the last 30-some years. Mm. And then I've been, been working together for probably eight. And the thing that really propelled us to, to write this was it just seemed that every, every kid we saw or at least half the kids we see has an anxiety disorder, mm. and and and, so, and probably at least half. And um, and some of their parents are extremely anxious. And we knew we've known probably for the last ten years or so that, that a low sense of control may be the most stressful thing you can experience. And so we, we thought that from a parent's point of view, try, try to give kids more control and parents being clear about what they can control and what they can't could really help from an anxiety point of view. And then we also knew that kids don't become self-motivated. They don't they develop an internal drive unless they have a sense that this is their life. They have a sense of autonomy. Mm. So we, we thought yeah. because so much of what we do is helping to minimize the extent to which stress-related problems mess up kids' lives, and also to try to help them develop true self-motivation that's driven by passion, that's driven by desire to accomplish and serve this world, as opposed to jumping through hoops or mm -hmm. avoiding. Okay, so I've got a question to ask you on this. Um, I heard a phrase, and when I was I was watching a video of you guys talking, and this phrase came up to me, and I, I think this is what you're talking about, is if you become great at one thing, you can become great at lots of things. And I think what you were talking about is when you see a kid who is super passionate about something, where they're willing to suffer for it or work at it, where they're really, really passionate, I heard you say, I don't really worry about that child because they can apply that to other things. You know, as a parent, we get this all the time. My child doesn't get good grades because he doesn't care. And the typical parenting is, well, then punish him until he cares enough to get good grades. Or but, find the currency and right. take it away and make him suffer until he gets good grades. What, what's, the, what's the cartoon? The beatings will continue until morale improves. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great point. I mean, part of it in, in, in school today, whether, whether purposefully or, or, or just whether purposely or just as a result, mm -hmm. many kids have received the message that if they're the not if they're not the top ten percent in school, that their lives are going to be failures. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so you have the people towards the top who are terrified that oh my goodness, I better not fall out of the top ten percent. And then you've got eighty or ninety percent of people who say, well, why even bother? I can't do that. Well, why should I even try? Right. And it's just and it's and it's it's course not it's not mm -hmm. true. Right. The kids who are the valedictorians, you know, 10 years later, aren't aren't more successful than other people. And we all know people 
you know, particularly for Bill and me with the work that we do, kids who are just a hot mess at age 10 or 14 or even 22, who, who instead of being, as my friend describes, instead of being precocious, they end up being postcocious, mm. right? They, mm. they're, they're a mess. And, and, and somewhere along the line, they meet the right person, right? You know, to, to use language, they, they kind of find their religion, right? And then they take off and they make these lives that are like, holy cow, you never saw this coming. Yes. So as parents, we don't to, to put all of all of our love and care and attention into kids best grades. It's just it's it's a terrible way. It's a terrible use of, of the creative energy of teens. And it's a terrible rate. You, it's a terrible misallocation of parental love where mm. we really do is say, I can't figure this out for you. You know, you're part of your job as a teenager is to figure out how are you going to contribute to the world and how can I help you? But, but back to original question and, and to Bill's original point, yeah, if you have a kid who's all in on whatever it is, yeah. it might be school, but it might not be school. And we don't worry about him because if you're developing a brain that's prepared to work hard for something that he thinks is valuable, mm-hmm. then, then, you know, you scripture, you, you put down childish things when you're no longer a child and you'll pick, pick up adult things. But if you've got a brain that wants to work hard, when you get to the adult world, you're ready to work hard on things that matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, uh, just to go back to what you were talking about, I grew up in Orange County and where there's a high expectation to perform, especially in athletics and education. Um, and lots of kids choose, I mean, I'm sorry to say, you know, they choose suicide. And mm-hmm. how do you talk to the parents out there who maybe have already engaged in like performance driven, like, I need you to get A's and I need you to be number one on the team. And they're hearing this and being convicted. What would you say? What are some of the steps they could take to like reroute Hmm. their um, course? I love that question. Can I add something to it? I was on an airplane not long ago and I overheard the women next to me talking. Um, They were teachers and I said, hey, we have a parenting program. Uh, What can we tell parents to make your job easier? And she said, what are you talking about? I said, you're a teacher. What can we do as parents to make your job easier? And one of the things she said was, well, I deal with AP students. I deal with high-functioning, high-producing students. Tell parents to back off. These kids are, are being crushed under that weight. And so there's a lot of high performers out there that are like, oh, no, what do I do? Thanks, honey. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. You know, a couple of years ago, when we were, when we were working on the book, it just seemed like everything we everything we read, everywhere we turned, mm. people were talking about this sense of control. But there, mm. there's a there's a cluster of suicides in in, uh, in Silicon Valley a couple yes. of years, ago. right? And when and, and the article is written in the Atlantic about it, a couple experts were asked about it, and one said these kids feel existentially impotent, mm. and the other one said, who's a psychotherapist, said 15 years ago. These kids would come into my office and they'd fight back. They were yeah. angry. They didn't want this life that was laid upon them. And now they don't. They just, they don't fight back. Yeah. Just, what happened? They're just I, yeah. They're just resigned to it. I, and I partly is this get they get too tired. They get they get too tired to fight back. And too mm. tired. Too tired and stressed to fight back. And is that connected to sleep? It, it's all of this or, is hugely yeah. connected to sleep. I mean, mm. they're distressed. Yes. There's no question that this this unprecedented spike in anxiety and depression, even over the last six years, is, is related in part to the kids that sleep, kids sleep so much less than they need to. And the adults, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Correct? Absolutely. So it's a, it's a family affair? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, I want to ask you about that, that feeling of being resigned, because I see that, and I wonder... I felt that too, and when you talk about this control where people feel like they have control over their lives, and I think what you mean by that is autonomy, where um, I remember reading Wendell Berry, The Unsettling of America, and he describes it, where the more you're reliant on someone else, the more underlying stress you have. If you know that you can't fix your car, and you can't uh, produce your own food, hunt your own food, grow it, uh, you know, all those things. And you know, in order to eat and um, uh, all those things, you rely on other people, then your stress level goes up more and more. So well, how are you giving the kids control back? Yeah. And in the book, you know, we talk about this, this research, extensive research for, for 50 years now, with animals and with people about how important this sense of control is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 
and th- that uh, in some of the animal studies suggest that if, if young, if, if, if when you're young, if you have the experience of being able to control stressful situations, you develop a brain that becomes very hard to stress as you get older because you instinctively, when something starts to stress you, mm. you instinctively go into coping mode. But I just wanted to come make one other comment, which is that we think about this sense of control, the opposites being helpless, hopeless, mm, passive, yeah. resigned, right. or overwhelmed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, yes. and so many of the kids we see have all of it, and, and particularly that overwhelmed in spades. And right, right, right. You know, and, and, and part of it is that for, for anyone who's listening, we want kids to be successful just like you want kids to be mm, successful. Of course. But, but you know, and, and that teacher's saying, because in many ways, this, this, the model for being successful is high effort, you know, work hard, rest hard. You know, there, there's a reason yes. why, why every major religion has, has a day of rest. Right. You can work super, super hard, but we need a chance to recover in order to go out and do our best work. And the challenge with so many kids today is it's, it's just completely unbalanced. Mm-hmm. I have to work hard. I have to work harder. I have to work even harder right. than that. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that gets ripped out of that is sleep, is downtime, mm-hmm. is an opportunity for reflection. Mm-hmm. You know, as though, you know, one more assignment or one more AP class is the determinant of a, of, of a better life as opposed to giving to kids the, the time that they need and, and deserve to, to put this all into context and to think about themselves and the world around them. Mm, Doctor, yeah. what have you noticed about their decline in community and connection? Well, you know, there's there's a recent study, and I'll just comment, make one quick comment first, that Ned often says, there's a nap for that. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a great phrase. But, you, you know, um, there's, there's, a, there's a woman who studies generational differences by the name of Jean Twenge, who's been studying generational differences her whole career, and found in the early 2000s that young people were five to eight times more likely to report symptoms of anxiety disorder or depression than young people were at the height of the Great Depression. And, and more recently, she found that as of, since 2012, this unprecedented spike in anxiety and depression, which yeah. she thinks is related in large part to social media. Yes. And she said young people today, they're incredibly connected all the time, but they, they feel more lonely and isolated yeah. mm-hmm. than kids ever had before. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. I, I completely agree. You know, doctor, you told a story about um, an experiment with mice, and I was so fascinated by it. It was uh, creating the uh, laid-back California mouse, um, <laughs> and you were talking about um, kids in stressful situations and then having a safe home environment. So could you please, one, tell the story about how these laid-back California mice were created, and then I really want to try to figure out as parents, how do we create that environment in home? You know, for not just kids, but spouses, you know, you go to work and your boss beats you down and you, and you just get hammered all day long and you come home and we, we need a break. So that was so fascinating. I can't wait for our listeners to hear it. Yeah. Well, sure. Yeah. The, the, the experiment, they took these rat pups, which are baby rats. And from basically the day that they were born, they whisk them away from mom. And, and then and then these lab technicians sit there and kind of handle them with their latex gloves for about a half an hour. And it's super stressful to them. And they've just been born. It's not mom sort of, you know, hugging and, you know, snuggling up with them. They're like, what the heck is this all about? And, and the, the cortisol in the brains, the stress chemical in the brains kind of off the charts. But and then after half an hour, if they gave them back to mom, and if mom was what is described as a high licking and grooming rat, which is kind of the equivalent of, of, uh, of hugs and kisses. And so they're there, they're there, they're there, right? And then, and then, you know, with that nurturing, with that, with that grooming, the, the, the cortisol just flows right out of their brains. Now, what the researchers did, they did this repeatedly from this high stress of, oh, my goodness, I mean, ah, there's this latex stuff, right, to mom who's, oh, thank goodness, thank goodness, back and forth and back and forth. And this experience of, of, of having stress, not something that's going to kill them, but something that is really distressing, and then having really low, like zero stress of it's totally fine, you're safe, you're okay, you're okay, you're safe. It wired their brain. So there's this complete control, of the, of the, a healthy control of their stress re- response by the prefrontal cortex, by the thinking part of their brain. So that, yeah, then as adults, they, they describe them as California laid back rats. They were impossible <laughs> to stress. 
because their experience in 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 in, in the presence of another stressor mm. was well, I'm sure this is this will be okay, because it always had been okay. Yeah, and, and so this is what we want for children. I mean, life is stressful, as we know. School is stressful. Friends mm. can be hard. You know, you get cut from the soccer team. Your girlfriend breaks up with you. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you come home and your parents are like, well, what do you mean you didn't? It's not a safe base. You want to be able to walk in the door. To your point, if your boss is just giving you a run of it that week, to, to, to walk home and have your spouse say, well, why didn't you, did you think about doing it? No, no, you want someone to say, man, I, I'm sorry. That sounds really right. tough. Right. How can, how can I help? Yeah. yeah. You know, I think it was so important. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everybody caught that. What they said is that environment where you had that nurturing thing, where there's a super stressful environment and then nurturing care and love, you know, care. As adults... Those rats were unstressable. Nothing could set them off. Nothing was triggering them. Nothing was stressing them. And we want that for our kids. And yet I fall into the fear-based parenting. I fall into the Mm -hmm. scarcity mode. I fall into the what you do today, you're going to do 100 years from now, even though we don't live 100 years. But I fall into that. And my one fear on this broadcast was needing to get talked back from the ledge because I feel like I've blown it so bad how do we you know i've got younger kids i've got 11 and 6 mm-hmm. there is time to undo the damage i have inflicted on them what talk to the parent of the of the teenager or who's got one in college that says oh my goodness i know i was putting a lot of pressure on that kid what do i do right now how do i how do i pull back how do i create these the safe environment yeah you know and we we, we when we lecture very frequently, after 10 minutes, somebody says, what if we've already screwed up our kids, yeah. you, know? And, you know? I'm sure it doesn't I, take long for someone to admit that. And, and what we say is that, that on one hand, the first thing is that kids don't need perfect parents. And, thank and God. The, 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 thank God. <laughs> that we, they don't need perfect parents. And secondly, that if we, if we want to change course, you know, what, one of the most powerful experiences that kids have when their parents apologize. Mm. There, yes. there's a letter, there's a letter in the book where a mother used used to trust her kid and then 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 got to 11th grade or something and felt the stakes were too high didn't and, and and kind of rammed stuff down her kid's throat and she wrote a letter saying I'm sorry I didn't trust you it was my error and I'll never do it again mm. and I think that 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 um, many p- people have the idea that when we lecture we get pushed back all the time from people who you know think I, I can make my kid do it you know do stuff and I'm supposed to do that and when we say good luck we say, let's, let's see how that goes. because there's been 60 years of research that suggests that that yeah. authoritative parenting authoritative meaning you know that, that you set limits and, and and you're you're assertive about yourself but you respect your kid you treat mm-hmm. your kid respectfully because in our view kids have a brain in their head and mm-hmm. they want their lives to work yeah and so yeah. We, we we say that you know if, if we if we want to change the, the way we're interacting with our kids we start to talk about it mm. you know and i think that that you know if, if one of your kids came in to see me god 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 with god's uh, willingness, I'll, I'll be I'll be alive in twenty years. But let's say that, yeah, one of your kids came as as a young adult and said, "Well, my whole life's been been been, uh, been screwed up because my parents told me what to do, or they're they're, they're too anxious, or whatever." You know, I, I said, "Get over it." You know, you know they don't that we don't need perfect parents. Yeah, mm, I love that. Well, I like what you talked about too um, in the teaching your teenager the advantages of getting proper sleep. Yeah. And whether they choose to do it or not, well, it's up to you. And I was like, did he just say that in that book? Yeah. I I thought we were supposed to be like, okay, that teenager to sleep those nine and a half hours or, or I don't know, but I love your stance about it. Hey, this is your life. You're a whole person. This is what we're suggesting Mm -hmm. that will help you succeed. So I, I got to ask a question with that because I like it. I do. You know, I'm going to, I'll tell a story on me. When I was in high school, I didn't like my curfew. And so I was pushing back on it all the time. And one day my dad was like, you know what? Come home. Don't come home. Do whatever you want. I don't care. And I was like, awesome. And so I stayed out a lot all week long. And towards the end of the week, I got locked out of the house. And I didn't understand. I thought I was playing by the rules. I He said, if you want to stay out, stay out. I did. And we had a conversation. And essentially he was like, well, I thought you'd choose the right way, but you didn't. So I'm going to choose for you again. Yeah, and yeah. 
I understand that. So let's talk about sleep, but then let's talk about maybe something that's that would be way more for a parent, like a full deal breaker. But you want to give your kids autonomy. You know they need X number of hours of sleep. They're just like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm only getting four hours a night. I'm fine. Everyone else is doing it. At what point <laughs> and how do you then step in as a parent and say, I'm sorry you're harming yourself. And as a good parent, I can't let you harm yourself. Well, I think it's, I mean, I think there are a lot of parts to that. But one thing is yeah, that, sorry. that one, we're trying, we're trying to develop, you know, we're trying to develop young people who are ready to go off in the real world without us. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so we have to accept that. And we also have to accept that at some level, we, you can't make someone fall asleep. Right. You can't make your kids do their homework. If they wanted to, they could just close their eyes and lie flat on the ground. There's nothing you can do about mm. this. And so and it's weird because you sit there with a two year old, three or ten year old, you think you can do it. But but over time, I, we move, talk about moving towards the idea of being a consultant where you're, you're working collaboratively. And, and to your point, so look, I can't in good faith. I can't I can't I can't watch you sleep four or five, six hours a night and feel like a good parent. I just mm-hmm. can't because the literature on this is so clear how bad this is for your brain and for all the ways that you're trying to be successful. But I also know that I can't make you go to sleep. You know, if you want, I mean, I can't. So so how are we going to do this together? How can I, you know, if, how can I help you? Okay. You know, how can we work together so, so that you don't feel like I'm pushing you all the time, but I don't feel like I'm the, a complete failure mm. as a parent um, because I love you and I want you to be successful. And, and, you know, I do know a little bit about the world because I'm not 14, you know, I'm 48. I know some stuff that you, you know, but, but, but how, do, how do we work on this together? Okay. Um, I mean, if there are things that are, are absolutely, you know, that, that are to the point of being unsafe, you say, look, you haven't gotten, you've gotten five hours of sleep the last three nights. Yeah. The literature shows you're more likely to drive a, to crash a car with that level of sleep deprivation than you are if you were legally drunk. Mm. So Whoa. there's no way I can let you have the keys. I'm yeah. sorry, you can't. You can oh, walk. Okay. That's, yeah, perf- that's perfect. fantastic. Great I love example. that. See, there you go. Because I know up. there's some parents, like I'm thinking of Lincoln. If I explained that to Lincoln, he'd look at me and he'd just look at me and be like, oh, more sleep's better for me. Okay, I'll sleep more. I wouldn't have been that one. You know, you, I know there's parents that are like, what are you talking about? My kid's going to fight me. They're going to say, you don't know what you're talking about. I found this one abstract Google study that says I can do whatever I want to do. But as a parent, you can say the overwhelming majority of the studies say this is like driving drunk. Therefore, you can't have your car keys. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be harder on me. And that's unfortunate. But because I'm the parent and the adult, I will make that sacrifice and drive you to school until you choose you know, the right thing for yourself. I love that. I do. I love it. It's fantastic. That's rebel yeah. parenting. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> we try to focus on what, because, as Ned said, you can't make a kid go to bed you, or if you, even if you force him into bed you can't make him sleep right yeah. and we, we talked to, to a number of sleep experts um in, in putting the book together and they all said look if an adolescent doesn't want to get more sleep don't waste your breath you know don't at least don't fight with them chronically about it because mm. it just never works yeah. and you know the, one of the, um one of the people who wrote a review on amazon of our book um, said that she was she was quoting from the book a lot, and, and her teenage son. So I better I want to read this book. She grabbed it from her and he read part of the book, and he came back and asked the, her mother to, to help him, his mother to help him manage his use of technology. Whoa! Which is so profound, and and I I think that if mm-hmm. we treat kids respectfully and, and we try to educate them as best they can, they know what it feels like to to, yeah. to feel tired and to screw to, to, to yeah. net- all the time, these kids who completely underperform on standardized tests because they're so tired. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly and right. That. And, but the, the, it can't be our job to make them sleep. Mm. Can I tell you a story about Fortnite? Do you guys know about the game Fortnite? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is like, this is, this is like the game for teenagers right now. And it's, oh. and it's, it's, you know, it's a big article. I have an 11 year old. I have not stopped hearing about Fortnite for <laughs> six <laughs> right, months. Right. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. for sure. I'm all into it. Right. And parents are really worried about this. So my, my son had a day off of school maybe a month ago and I he had Friday after school. And so on Thursday, and he's a sophomore, he's 16 years old. So he's a, uh, and he's a good student. Uh, but so Thursday night I said, Hey, Hey kiddo, what, what are you going to do with your day tomorrow? And he smiled and he said, play Fortnite. And I said, uh, okay. Uh, okay, good. A- anything else? He's like, I don't know. I'll, I'll think about it. Okay. So I go off to work on Friday. I get home maybe six o'clock at night. My kid is still sitting there in front of the computer playing video games in his pajamas. I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little vexed. 
I say, can you can you do me a favor? Can you could you would you please get dressed because I would like to go out and have pizza because it's Friday and and I'd like to spend time with you guys. Oh, okay. He puts he puts on clothes. We're going to have pizza. Have a lovely time. I'm at this point. I stopped steaming out of my ears. I say <laughs> nothing. I say nothing. Saturday, I yeah. say nothing. Sunday, Sunday afternoon, maybe four o'clock. He's like, oh. I have all this homework to do. I said, oh, yeah? He said, yeah, I'm so mad at myself. I feel like I wasted the entire day on Friday playing video games. I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I said, can I ask you a question? He says, yeah. I said, if you, if you thought back on it, how many, hours, how many hours do you think would have been necessary for you to kind of get your fix in for this Fortnite thing? And he thought, he said, yeah, I don't know, maybe three or four. And he said, and how much time did you spend? He said, probably seven. Mm. And he said, yeah, and I'm so mad. And I said, would you like it? Would you like me in the future to help you figure out a way to manage your time a little bit so you feel like you can get your, your fix in, but don't feel like you're wasted your whole time? Would you, would you like my help on that? He said, yeah, that would be great. Awesome. And I, I know that if I had come at home at 6 o'clock on Friday. Uh, see, I know. You're right. For being you jerk, why'd you do this? You wasted your whole day. You didn't help your mother. You didn't pray the piano. You didn't clean your room. You didn't, you know, what? La 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 la. Mm. One ear, the other. Infinitum. Right, and we wouldn't have this relationship that we have where he actually. I'll tell you really quickly this. You probably heard this in the talk. It's about a month ago, there was, or a couple months ago, he had a big school dance. Now, my son, like his dad, is a little geeky. Uh, and there was a big school dance. There was a party after the dance, like the one you always worry about, and you know, but but the guy. Yeah, cool yeah, right. yeah. You're right. And so after a walk, and he, and he says, he says, Dad, I got a question. I said, yeah, pal, what's your question? He said, so I'm going to that party, right, after the dance? I said, yeah. I said, you need a ride? I said, no, I'm good. I'll, I'll Uber. I'm like, all right. He says, um, but what do, what do I do if, if people are drinking alcohol there? Oh, right. I did like a little dance in my head, right? That's the conversation. <laughs> yes, that's right. Have, right. Yes. And I said, well, there's a pros and cons and this and that. And let's, let's talk, let's talk through all the reasons why it's, you know, what you would do. And, but, but man, if I were writing his hide the whole time about, about his, you know, geometry homework, he's not going to come and talk yes. to me about yes. like that. Yes. Sir. Yep. Oh my goodness. Mm. Yeah. And that, that is, those are the parenting wins that you're just dying for. You know, yep. those are the times you're like, Oh yes. Yep. Okay. Okay. We you know, win. I, I burned myself the other night, which is not unusual. I tend to do that when I cook. Every day. Um, <laughs> I still keep cooking, but no, every day. I burned myself pretty bad, and Laura wasn't home, and I was sitting there. I couldn't believe how bad it hurt. It was blistering up, and oh yeah, it, it was. I was a hot oil burn, and um, oh. and uh, Lucy came over and put her arm around me, and I was like, oh, it was so sweet. And then Lincoln just said, Lord, we just ask you to help Daddy right now. And I was like, oh, well, it's good. Wow. I didn't say anything, but I just thought, oh, my goodness, that's, please do that the rest of your life. Please, you know, <laughs> please forever could just do that and not, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you do something right there. Yeah, for sure. Let me um, address something. My dad did this to dads in his very first film series, and it was, um, it's not delayed gratification, but it's this idea that we can, suffer now because in the end it's going to pay off. You know, if I can just get the startup finished, then I'll spend some time with my family. If I can just finish my doctorate, then I'll spend some time with my family. If I can just make a little bit more money, then I'll spend some time with my wife. Kind of a thing. Uh, In parenting, what we're seeing is, you know, I've got my kid in two instruments and three sports and a tutor on Saturdays and a PSAT test and I've got an internship and I have my yoga and I have my coffee date and I'm speaking at church and I have my Bible study and I have to go to mops. And so that whole, I know it's a lot now, but you're going to get into this great college. I know it's a lot now, but you're going to get this job that you really want. Does that ever work? Does it ever, is all that stress and pressure you put on a kid today, do they thank you for it later or is it the, I just can't do this anymore? You know that, that a woman who worked with, who works with um, very the kids of very wealthy parents in uh, Marin County, California, mm-hmm. Madeline Levine. Um, you know, it's, 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 she she made she made famous research to suggest that kids of affluent parents uh, actually ha- have more mental health problems, particularly anxiety, depression, chemical use, than poor kids do. And she said it's because. They feel this combination of, of more pressure mm. and they're less close to their parents. 
Mm. And a close relationship with your parents is the closest thing to a silver bullet against emotional problems. Can you say that again, please? Ooh. Nice, yeah. slow, and loud. Yes, that, that, that a close relationship with parents is the closest, closest thing to a silver bullet guarding against emotional problems in kids. And so when we think that, that my kids don't need us very much, that, that they can handle on their own, that it'll be fine when, when they're older, mm. it's just not true. What we want to do more than anything in the world is communicate that we love kids, that they're precious to us, and the way we do that is spending time with them. Mm. Time. And, and I mean, if you think about that from a, you know, from a scripture idea of, of you know people enduring the most difficult challenges that, that they, they could ever face and if they hold tight to their faith they get through war and disease and mm. famine and trauma and that unconditional parental love of I'm gonna get through this because I feel it not I believe it but I feel it into my bones and the idea mm. that you would sacrifice that for a standardized test for an, for a ward in a huh. soccer. It, it just, I mean, it, 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 there's, mm. there's nothing, you know, if it's the most valuable thing you could possibly put into a child's head, there's, there's nothing, there's no, there's no riches in the world that you would trade that for. Mm. Huh. You know, awesome. I, so see, this is, ra- this is radical. You're just going against the culture. Well, <laughs> it, it, it's true. And, and, you know, we, um, so when we, we talk to parents in this area who who have their kids completely overprogrammed and they're completely overprogrammed as well. Oh yeah, yeah, overprogrammed. Yeah. I like that. that. We, we, you know, we, we point out you know that kids who are homeschooled commonly spend two hours, maybe three hours a day do, doing do, doing learning related stuff, and they have the rest of the day. You know, and, and that the parent that most of the parents we work with have the idea that if kids aren't going pedal to the metal yeah. from the time that they're two or three, they're going to be behind other kids. And it's so completely absurd. It is. And I, I just, love I, the homeschooling movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we see a lot of kids where there's just not a school program, and uh, it's appropriate. And just the idea of being able to get up, not having to get up at at five thirty in the morning, right. the kids do. Uh, there's so many benefits to it. But um, you know, we also, well, in regard to the sleep and technology, one of the things we emphasize in the book is that it's it's not like parents get get more sleep than they need or don't wrestle with technology themselves. Yeah. And I, yes. I, I'm constantly seeing you know, parents who confide to me that I have trouble, I have great trouble sleeping and they're, they're, they're constantly harping their kid to get more sleep. And I said, why don't we treat this as, why don't we make this a family goal for all of us to get better rested? Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. really, you change the energy so that, that let's help each other. Mm. Really, yeah, yeah, just change the whole rhythm of the family. Yeah. It really does. You know, someone online, they said she's got four kids, ages 8 to 13. They all have the same bedtime, 8 in bed reading and 8.30 lights out. But something you've got in the book that uh, I really do want to talk to parents about because I'm hearing there's two sides of the thing. Every time a new technology is introduced, the preceding generation bashes it. Uh, You know, when the newspaper came out, people said, it's terrible. You're not going to go next door to, you know, and talk to your neighbor, you know, and the telephone was terrible and, you know, all all the different things. We're doing it with the internet as well. You know, it's, it's going to rewire the brain and and attention, all these different things. And we know it's not going away, but your concept of radical downtime, you know, I do um, isolation tanks. I float. I'll go to a, yeah, that's radical (laughs) downtime for me, but it's. It is necessary. I cannot function unless I have that rest, unless I have that time where my brain shuts down. Talk about the concept of radical downtime and Mm -hmm. just give like a, not a hard and fast rule, but kind of an over overlying principle. What does radical downtime look like in 2018, 2020? And how important is it? So, the, the, the idea, we call it radical downtime because for, for generations, you know, people have said downtime for me is is um, gardening or riding my bike or playing now playing video games. Right. Kids uh-huh. And we think that because kids get so little rest and because uh, they uh, they are so 
24-7 hooked, hooked together technology or stimulating themselves technology, through technology, that they need more radical downtime. When we define radical time, downtime as basically doing nothing. You know? yeah. So that, that includes... Get on board. <laughs> yeah, it includes you know, letting your mind wander or daydreaming. It includes sleep. And we talk about meditation uh, and certainly... Mm-hmm. That that being in a flotation tank, you know, where that which I've done the, the kind of sensory deprivation, mm-hmm. it's very it's a very very powerful way to, to let the mind unwind. Mm-hmm. And we talk in the book about the tremendous benefits that that just simply letting your mind wander has for not only for creativity and for problem solving, mm-hmm. but also that that people think that the brain systems that activate. When you're daydreaming, when you're just when you when when you have don't nothing when you have nothing to focus on, are extremely important to stimulate because they're crucial for the development of a sense of identity in children and for a, that, that that capacity for mm-hmm. empathy. So we can, for we, empathy. For empathy. empathy. Yeah. The, yes, the, sir. the idea is basically if you if you aren't focusing on something else, you think about yourself mm-hmm. and you think about the people you love or the people you don't like. You think about your relationships. You think about your past. You think about your future. And that's the way that we, we start to understand ourselves and other people better. And it seems to be crucial for kids. Again, not a sense of sense, co- coherent sense of identity and, and the capacity for empathy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and I think about that, too, in terms of, you know, Family values, religion, philosophy. You know, I had a, a family some year years ago, and and the the dad says, you know, my kid questions everything that I tell him, and I said, good, and he looked at me like I was insane, and I said, no, 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 because I want. Was it my, my dad? Did he call you and tell you that? I mean, I, I, you know, I want my kids to question. So dad says this, and oh, geez, I can think about it. is that true? And but I want him to wander around for like hours at a time or weeks at a time. Well, well, geez, and he thinks that maybe, and why would it, and why would it do that? And maybe it's, and well, and and ideally, you know, like Socrates, you know, in, in the Republic come mm-hmm. around weeks later and go, yeah, I can see how that's true. Mm-hmm. Because now it's not something that's been forced onto him. It's something that he has really taken time and yeah. thought about. And now it's gone from being my beliefs to being his beliefs because he's really taken time to think about this. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, for generations past, that's what every teenager would do. My old man, I can't believe in blah, blah. And you'd have to think it through <laughs> to really bring it on. Yeah. But now, my old man, oh, never mind. I'll just check my uh, Snapchat and see. What, and, 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 oh, and so kids don't have that time to really think over their own thinking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Hey, I forgot I'd written it down earlier. Definitely. I started meditating about three or four years ago. I got, I think it was Dan Harris's book, four. 10% Happier. Mm-hmm. Um, I am such a huge fan of meditation. And um, sauna. We well, yeah. But, too. <laughs> <laughs> talk about meditation with children. You know, you were talking about the thermometer and the EEG reader, but talk about getting kids started in meditation and some mm-hmm. of the things that can do for them because that self-soothing, that being able to calm yourself down Whoa, does meditation help in that? I really love that you guys talk about it. Yeah. So uh, our, our experience is that, I mean, I, I've, I've, I think I say in the book that I've, I, I've been practicing meditation myself for 44 years mm-hmm. and working with children for 40 years, and I've never once heard of a kid who went to their parents and said, could you find me a meditation teacher? <laughs> you know, that, that, yeah. that typically, especially as adolescents, they don't want to do it unless other kids are doing it. And I, I, so I, I think you can hmm. teach some basic meditation techniques to young children and that they do it as part of the family that, that we, we all do this kind of a quiet time or a wind down time. Hmm. Um, and I think, think that I, I'm, I'm interested in getting periods in the school day built in where kids can, can, can go within themselves and, oh, yeah. and uh, do some practice meditation because they're more likely to do it at least as adolescents if other kids are doing it too. Okay. Uh, but but when when kids do meditation, it has the same benefit for them that it does for adults. Mm-hmm. 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 I need to start a medita- a, 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 a neighborhood rebel. meditation yeah. class. That's right. All the, all the kids in the neighborhood will be meditating with us. Well, I do tea time at four, so I'm just gonna I'll, I'll add some meditation into the tea time. And, and part of it too is that is is you know I I see a ton of kids, a ton of kids who've been diagnosed <laughs> with anxiety, and I'll ask them a little bit. So what are you doing? Da, 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 and and mm-hmm. and. and it's very common. They'll say, well, and they tried to teach me deep breathing. They tried to teach me meditation. And I'll say, well, do you do it? And they say, well, not really. And I said, well, do you know why did they, do you know why you're supposed to do it? Well, no, not really. Well, did it explain to you how it helps? Well, no, not really. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I wouldn't do it either. Me, right? either. Me neither. Me neither. Yeah. You know? but, but when I, you do know, the super I, boring thing where you've got to close your eyes and not move and pretend not to think and don't think about in a stressful environment where you're trying to get over your stress <laughs> and then don't. Yeah. I'm, you know, mean, for me, it took an app. It took an app that did a seven day meditation explanation. Why do you meditate? How do you meditate? What does it mean when you have thoughts come? I mean, all these different things. It got over the obstacles, and then it was like, oh, yeah. we did it last night. We have a, a bedtime one, a, a deep bedtime sleep one meditation we, to we go each to each night. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. when when you explain to kids, you know, that, that these executive functions of organizing, planning, self control, motivation, mental flexibility all reside in the prefrontal cortex and your amygdala, the, the threat detector. And when you're when you're in your right mind, the the thinking executive function part of your brain is, is controlling, is managing the rest of your brain. And then we know that when you're tired or stressed, that the amygdala gets more fired up and the kind of the thinking part of your brain kind of goes bye-bye. And, and, and when you can explain to kids that, that, that meditation, much like sleep, will have better regulation by this prefrontal cortex and you, you'll, you'll simply make better decisions and it'll be easier for you to do the things, to feel like doing the things you want to do. Because we mm-hmm. all know that the things we want to do, we don't feel like doing it. And when, when we're in a better state, when we're more balanced, when, when we're more rested, it's easier for us to feel like doing the things we want to do. And then it's, but then we don't beat ourselves. I'm such a jerk. I can't believe I didn't do this <laughs> yeah, again. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We had this 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 uh, a, a meeting with this boy the other day. Super bright, uh, super bright. Some ADHD stuff going on. And I was talking about this and saying it's the same thing with sleep. That when you're more well rested, you you simply plan, organize better. I said the other big thing is that an emotion, your emotional control perspective, when you're rested and mm. unstressed. Everybody's. You ever notice when you're really tired, the people around you, everyone seems cranky and angry, and yeah, you sort what of do we call it? Head, right. And I said, do you ever notice? You ever notice how when you're really tired, you feel like your mom's even more annoying than normal? And he's wicked smart. He's, without missing a beat, he stops and he goes, "My goodness." I said, "What?" He said, "I must be tired all the time." <laughs> he's yeah. like, "Okay, maybe." My I'll kids sl- call me Bowser. When I get tired, and it's from Mario. From Mario, from Super Mario Brothers. Bowser's the big, it's just he growls. And so, yeah, when we get that way, we tease me. Totally. I worked with a family a few years ago that uh, once a week, they did something called Yoga Nidra, which is basically a, a relaxation technique that's taught in yoga studios where you relax your feet, then your, then your ankles, and yeah. then your thigh, that kind of thing. And the, the, the parents said, when we do it, that my son's boy, my son's day is completely different. And I said, how often do you do it? They said, once a week. <laughs> I said, why don't you do it every day? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I think that we, we think that um, if kids will do it, it this, this, this regular experience, of, as, as Ned was saying, of, of quieting down the amygdala, the mm-hmm. part of the brain that senses threat, and making it less reactive, Strengthening the prefrontal cortex, that you 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 just get better and better and better, yeah. uh, because yeah. the brain, because the brain works better. And another oh, another really quick advice on radical digital downtime. There's a there's a whole body of literature on how much um, spending time in nature is really calming to the brain. Um, specifically, they talk about the sense of awe. Any t- time when you're in the natural world where you really feel the sense of awe, I mean, you get this more with the ocean or with the mountains or whatever, it's just profoundly beneficial to your nervous system. It, it calms you down and makes you think in much more expansive ways. And I mean, I, I think if every school in the country could, could, could have an hour a day when people just went and walked through a park, mm. they'd probably get a whole lot more out of that class time when they're yep. teaching trigonometry or whatever. Mm-hmm. I bet they would. Mm. My goodness. Have we missed anything? Are there things that you're like, wait, you got to talk about this. Don't miss it. Well, it is, I, I think we've covered a, a lot of it. I mean, that certainly two things for me. One is that from our point of view, what, what really helps is, is for a parent is having an, and for kids, is having an accurate model of reality. And the reality for parents is part is it couldn't theoretically be our responsibility to make our kids do things or to ensure they turn out a certain way because we just don't have that control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And making, making peace with that is, is, is really an empowering thing. And, and, and also, for, and for a kid's point of view, so many of the kids we see have this crazy idea that if, if, they aren't, if they don't do extremely well in school, they'll end up working at McDonald's. You know, and I think that, that much of our work is trying to get kids an accurate model of reality. I want mm-hmm. you to work. 
But I don't want to think that somehow if you're at the valedictorian, you can't create a really successful life. Yes. And, and I think that part of our emphasis, as Ned said, we want kids to be successful. But we also want them to develop a brain that's going to be capable of enjoying their success. Because mm. if if they're chronically tired as they're developing, yeah. they're going to be much more likely to be to have ongoing depression or, or really high anxiety as adults and not be able to enjoy even if they are very successful. Oh, oh I, know, I know so many people like that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Sad. Wow. We, we I never do. thought of it that way. Well, you think about it monetarily. I had a roommate that worked, I think he worked uh, 40 days in a row. And I was telling him, like, dude, you work all the time. And he goes, man, do you know how much money I'm making? And I go, yeah, when's the last time you spent any of it? <laughs> and yeah. you know what was so funny? I, it wasn't me. He just had an epiphany with it. But he thought about it for a long time. He quit his job shortly thereafter. I was like, I just didn't realize it. Like, that whole making money thing, I saw my bank account getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That was the goal. And then I realized I'm unhappy all the time. What's going on? And I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's another thing. If, if, if we just told kids things like, it doesn't, make, it doesn't seem to make very much difference where you go to college, that there's some advantages to going to elite colleges, but you can become successful going almost anywhere. Yeah. Yes. If we told them that, that happiness, having money, increasing the amount of money you have, increases happiness up to a certain level, very modest level of money. Yeah. And yep. after that, and it's either a wash or you're less happy. Right. If we just talk kids about what, what it takes to really to create a successful life, successful meaning, I'm contributing to this world, I, I'm, I'm supporting myself and my family adequately, and I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. We love this book. I'm going to show it to the camera real quick. It is called The Self-Driven Child. Thanks for being on today, you guys. Awesome. We really appreciate it. Really had a good time. Love Thanks, it. guys. Thanks. Hey, Rebels, we hope you enjoyed that program. Wasn't that great, Kay? So good. Man. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I was digging into that book. In fact, I was telling a neighbor about it. She was like, ooh, can I borrow it? And mm -hmm. like ate it up. Totally yeah. ate it up. So honestly, get that book. It, in fact, we've got a great YouTube video they've done that really covers a lot of what we did and a lot in the book. It's a Q&A from a bookstore in Portland, I think, but it's fantastic. I really, I watched that and read the book before we did the interview. Uh, so we will link that on all of our social media accounts. Facebook.com slash Rebel Parenting, at Rebel Parenting on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget, if you're struggling with porn or you want to postpone your kids stumbling on it or you don't want them to stumble on it in your home, which is something a good parent would do, <laughs> get circled, get rid of the porn. The link is on all of our social media accounts. It'll help you get rid of the porn in your life and help you take control over the screens in your home. God bless Rebels. We will see you next week. Thanks. Thanks.